Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Bible Prophecy for today. My name is Heather. I'm going to give you some news and views from a West Texans biblical point of view. One you're not going to find in your mainstream media. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode and it is August the 28th on a Monday afternoon. Yes, folks, and we got some stuff to talk about. Um, I guess you've heard. Oh, Joe, oh, Joe Biden uh, is now coming after our ceiling fans. And uh, for all you beer drinkers out there, he's wanting you to drink two beers a week, two, two beers a week. I mean, I'm not a beer drinker or anything. You know, I quit drinking back in 2008 <laughs> by the grace of God. But uh, two beers a week. Mm, I don't know about that. I don't know how that's going to go over. Oh, Joe, he kind of cracks me up. Let me tell you, <laughs> it's just. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, let me tell you guys. Let me tell you. We got some stuff to talk about today. So, Breitbart is going to let us know that the Biden administration's green energy standards for ceiling fans could put 30% of manufacturers out of business. Yes, folks. That's on Breitbart. Uh, posted the 26th of August by Elaine Mullen. Elaine Mullen. She's got my mama's name, Elaine. Well, she must be a good person. No. <laughs> so first it was gas stoves and water heaters. And now the Biden administration is coming after ceiling fans in its quest for energy efficient and environmentally friendly household appliances. The Department of Energy released new guidelines for ceiling fans, which the agency says will save households $39. $39 over the lifespan of each ceiling fan in their home, but it will cost manufacturers $86.6 million a year, Fox Business reported. The new green fans are expected to cost consumers $10 more than traditional models. Does this not... That right there is a perfect example of the world that we live in. It's upside down, inside out. Uh, definitely, we're living in the end days. The Bible said they would have a reprobate mind. They wouldn't have any common sense. They would think like animals. And, um, you know, to cost manufacturers $86 million to save somebody $39 over the lifespan, lifespan of the ceiling fan in your home. I don't know how often I've ever had to replace a ceiling fan. I don't think I ever have. Um, but... For three cups of coffee at your local coffee store, um, that's going to cost uh, manufacturers $86 million. And if you think it's only going to cost you $10 more for traditional models, they're going to pass that on to consumers. You know, first it was gas stoves, then it was the water heaters. You guys remember, now it's beer. <laughs> oh, Joe. Oh, Joe. Joe blows. Let me tell you, this is ridiculous. This folks, I'm telling you, I can't make this stuff up. Really, I can't. Um, the New York Post is telling us that a controversial new AI app allows you to text with Jesus and Satan by Kurt Knudsen, Cyber Guy Report, Fox News. It's not every day that the spiritual realm intersects with smartphone tech, but in the era of chatbots and AI, even the biblical figures aren't immune. Welcome to the world of text with Jesus, where you're just a tap away from a conversation with the holy, and for a price, the not-so-holy. Deepening faith through text with Jesus. For those longing for a more personal connection to their faith, this app might be the digital salvation they're seeking. Designed with devoted Christians in mind, text with Jesus promises interaction with figures like Jesus, Mary, Joseph, Peter, and Matthew. This app wears its spirituality on its sleeve, or I'm sorry, on its screen, <laughs> guiding you through its queries with responses mined from the depths of the Bible's rich texts. Conversations go beyond traditional in the app. There's a certain audacity in allowing you to go beyond the traditional interactions one might expect. Although the full range of figures and unlimited messaging are only available to premium subscribers, the app is free to download and use on all eligible, eligible devices. By shelling out just $2.99 a month, you can embark on a journey through some of the Bible's more intricate dialogues like Adam and Eve's narrative or the dawn of humanity. The devil is in the details. The app's most controversial feature, the app's most controversial feature 
Conversations with Satan himself. Expectations can be deceiving, especially in the world of AI. Satan, historically the symbol of temptation and deceit, dons a surprising mellow avatar in this app. Users anticipating fiery dialogues or cunning deceptions might be left scratching their heads. Instead, the Prince of Darkness champions love, respect, and understanding. Values synonymous with biblical virtues. As if to ensure a modern flavor, each devilish interaction ends with a smiling face with horns emoji. It's an odd mix of uh, solemnity and sass, which will undoubtedly spark reactions from traditionalists and tech enthusiasts alike. Yeah. So now, whether it's a deliberate attempt to challenge perceptions or just a programming oversight remains a topic for debate. However, it's important to note that interaction with Satan is turned off by default and must be manually enabled by you if you choose to engage with this figure. The app points out that the portrayal is rooted in Christian teachings <laughs> and users have full control over their engagement with all figures within the app. Mm -hmm. So navigating the digital faith frontier. Beyond its novelty, Text with Jesus opens up dialogue on the evolving nature of faith in our increasingly digital world. For some, it might offer solace in moments of uh, solitude, providing scripture-based advice in the touch of a button. For others, it may serve as a curious exploration into how technology can shape, transform, or even distort ancient teachings. And of course, quote, our app is a tool for exploration, education, and engagement with biblical narratives, and it is not intended to replace or mimic direct communication with divine entities, which is a deeply personal aspect of one's faith, and quote, the app uh, creators say on their website, quote, the AI-powered app does not claim to provide actual divine insights or possess any form of divine consciousness, but simply uses this language model to generate responses based on a wide corpus of biblical and religious texts, Quote. With this in mind, text with Jesus might be the forerunner in a digital faith movement, beacon lighting the way for a new kind of spiritual exploration, or I should say, deception. Folks, it's all about deception, setting you up for deception. Hello, you got aliens, you got the AI church, you got the AI this, AI that, artificial intelligence. Yes, guys. Doesn't take a rock inside, so I don't hope to figure this stuff out. But anyway, that's um on the New York Post.com if you guys would like to go and check that out by Kurt Nutson. Anyway, um originally from Fox News. So anyway, guys, um just to let you guys know it is deception at its finest. And um they're all setting you up. It's 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 all a big setup, it's all a big scheme. Jesus said, Do not be deceived. I was just reading, I believe it was in Mark. Mark or Matthew, don't be. There's the first words he said. It was the Sermon of the Mouth. That's right. Don't be deceived. So I'm telling you guys, get in the Word of God. Don't be deceived. Aha. The perils of preterism. This is by Jonathan Brittner. We'll touch on that. And uh, the big one, the big one. Why are there so many fires? Dr. David Martin unveils what he thinks is behind it. And folks, we're going to talk about that coming up. But first, <laughs> but first, we want to jump into the Word of God. And so I'm going to pull that up. You know, it's amazing. I had this pulled up and then I look up and lo and behold, it's gone. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that just think like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder, right? Yeah, we all know what's going on. So Ephesians 5, and I know I left off with Ephesians 5 on the last podcast, but I want to read it again because it seems so pertinent to what we are in right now that I think is very important that we get back into this verse. And I'm going to read it again uh, for you people in the back. Now, for the folks that missed the last podcast and the podcast before that, we're going to read Ephesians 5 one more time uh, this afternoon. Okay, folks, so let's jump into Ephesians chapter 5. This is from the LSB. This is the Legacy Standard Bible. If you're not familiar with that, um, that's from um, the Master Seminary, which is John MacArthur's um, seminary up there and uh, in California. Um, guys, it's a wonderful translation. I'm so thankful um, to have it, and I'm thankful to them for doing that. And um, I actually got mine in the mail the other day, and let me tell you something. I absolutely love it. I can't think, I cannot promote it enough. I love it. I got the leather one with... Um, 
the wide margins and you can take notes. You can highlight this thing with a regular highlighter. You don't have to get the one specifically made uh, for your Bible because it's not going to bleed through the pages. I love it. The very thick pages, the font, I got the large print. It's very easy to read. You guys know me. Um, if, if it was possible, I would have to read this to you guys off my monitor in Braille. That's how blind I am. But uh, <laughs> oh, glory to God. So let's do this. Ephesians 5. Uh, the LSB. So therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself up himself up for us in offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But sexual immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints, nor filthiness and foolish talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks for this, you know, a certainty that no one sexual or more, that no one sexually immoral or impure or greedy who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of that light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, and do not participate in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light." For this reason, it says, quote, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you, unquote. Therefore, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. On account of this, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and being subject to one another in fear of Christ. And folks, I'm going to read this last part. This is uh, verses 22. Um, through 33 so wives and husbands so verse 22 says excuse me wives be subject to your own husbands as to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife as christ also is the head of the church he himself which is jesus being the savior of the body but as the church is subject to christ so also the wives ought to be to their husbands and everything husbands love your wives just as christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all her glory having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she would be holy and blameless so husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies he who loves his own wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as christ also does the church because we are members of his which is jesus's body for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh this mystery is great, he says, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. So, folks, that is Ephesians 5. And I hope that is a blessing to you guys today. And I uh, hope the Lord um, is speaking to you guys today. Folks, there's so, so much happening in the world today. It just, it, I never thought I would see these things. I just never thought I would see this. The apostasy of the church is rampant. Um, if you guys listen to Jan Markell's radio program, which is all of Tree's views, it is Understanding the Times Radio. She's on, I think, almost a thousand radio stations across the united states you can find her at all of tree views.org 
Um, she also has a YouTube page and a or YouTube channel and a Rumble channel. Now, listen, if you guys are looking for her on YouTube, be sure that you find the ones with like a hundred and something thousand subscribers, not these little pilly ones that are asking for money. She will never, ever ever ask you for donations she never asks for money she never asks for any of that so if you're if someone's contacting you staying there from olive tree uh ministries or um understanding the times radio just know that is wrong that that's not them so uh anyway she's uh pretty adamant about that she's putting it out on um her weekly uh or not her her bi-weekly not bi-weekly bi-monthly <laughs> um newsweek newsletter and she'll put it on her post every once in a while but you guys i'm gonna tell you right now she has a phenomenal phenomenal um program um today and i'm gonna go here to jan markell and i'm gonna understand you the times right here i'm on my youtube page right here so she has 197 thousand subscribers so when you look for her look for that one so the one that she just uploaded uh was about an hour ago and says this apostasy is alarming it's with uh, mark henry ministries um folks it's 10 minutes long 10 minutes and nine seconds you can do it i'm going to post the link uh in the description of this podcast and you guys need to go watch it because you're going to be flabbergasted yes i'm using that word flabbergasted <laughs> i love it anyway uh yes so you guys please go check that out last week's uh, program was will ufos be the rapture excuse and so will will ufos be the rapture excuse oh geez i don't know but it sounds like it doesn't it and then 10 days ago um you can go to her youtube channel and watch them guys um it says can the nar bring heaven to earth this is holly pivot and uh, i'm gonna tell you what i listened to um oh my gosh it's american family radio network and hang on i have got i saved it i was listening so you guys know i like melissa dotry um if you guys haven't um listened to her she's got a youtube channel phenomenal she came out of new age and i tell you what she is a wonderful apologetics um and so i'm going to go here to my spotify afr let me see if i can is it at the core i tell you i'm terrible you guys terrible um but let me see if I got it here. So anyway, um, airing the Addisons are pretty good too <laughs> on American Family Radio. Ah, ah, no, it's oh goodness, guys, I am so sorry. Um, but anyway, he was on. Ah, she was on there, and I just happened to catch the tail end of it. And you know what? I think I did. I sent that to a friend of mine, Kay, and a couple other folks. I sent that program to. So. I will pull it up for you guys. Um, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. It's that podcast with Dr. Frank Turek. Uh, Dr. Frank Turek uh, cross-examined, um, cross-examined, uh, .org. Uh, if you guys are on Podbean, Spotify, whatever, you guys can find that. But anyway, she was on there. Uh, and it's very, very uh, eye-opening and uh, if you guys wanted to explore that or listen to her and learn a little bit more about her, that's a wonderful way to um, learn about her. So anyway, if I know stuff, guys, I want you guys to know stuff because there's a lot of people out there, you know, I'm sure that listen, you know, that's just flying, you know, flipping through whatever channels on the little pot bean or Spotify or whatever. And they come across us. Who's that crazy Texas woman? She sounds crazy. <laughs> Maybe I'll listen to her for a little bit. Oh, my goodness. What's this conspiracy theorist? Uh, you know, the CIA uh, coined that term, conspiracy theory. I'm going to tell y'all. Um, a conspiracy is is an actual um, it's, it's, it's an actual thing. And uh, it means it's a secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or harmful. And so, of course, yeah, um, that's what our government's doing. That's what the world is doing. I shouldn't have to be the one to, to tell you guys to wake up and uh, smell um, uh, the book of Revelation coming at you. Do you smell the fire? I mean, I can smell the burning almost, it seems like. Every day I wake up, it's just more stuff. And I, I honestly never thought I would see this day. I never, I don't know how many times I tell myself during the day, I never thought I would see the day. I never thought I would see the day. Um, let me tell you uh, just a little bit about how crazy the world is. So you guys know I, I'm a security officer and they work uh, transit. We'll just put it that way. And um, I want you guys to realize how dangerous, how dangerous things are. Um, there was a passenger 
uh, we're not going to say what state he was in. It wasn't from the West <laughs> and it wasn't from the East. It was in the mid somewhere. We'll put it that way. Anyway, he was upset that uh, a driver had uh, denied him travel. And I'm guessing he was under the influence. So they denied him travel and um, he became upset and he somehow made it across state lines to another um, terminal and was able to, at that point in time, purchased another um, ticket and at that point in time he was enraged and he beat a driver so bad with a brick that he has to have reconstructive surgery on his face and um and just let you know that terminal did not have security i know people make fun of security guards they make fun of us all the time Oh, you want to be cops? No, let me tell you, we do not want to be cops. <laughs> Most, and I would say 90% of security officers are former law enforcement and former military. And then the rest of us do this because we have a love for the public and uh, we just want to, you know, try to help and um, deter crime is what we're here to do. And, uh, and try to just keep the peace. You know, all we're here to do is deter crimes and to de-escalate situations. And so, but I know we get made fun of a lot, but I'm going to tell you it's a billion dollar industry. It wouldn't be a billion dollar industry if it didn't work. <laughs> so, but yeah, we get called all kinds of stuff. Um, and granted, there are those out there that have uh, an authority complex. They have issues. They don't need to be in this type of business for more of a... Uh, custom relations plus protective, you know, uh, uh, industry, and you got to have compassion for people. So, um, you know, that's what we're, we're all about for the majority of us. I'm just saying. But anyway, this particular terminal did not have security. And the, the man who got, he is the sweetest, kindest, gentlest man, one of the drivers that I've ever had the pleasure of working with. And uh, this happened in, uh, we'll just say Colorado. I'm going to put it to you that way. He's up in there in Colorado that this guy got up there and, and beat him so bad. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, he's, of all the ones to beat down like that and to, to, to hurt so bad, it was one of the nicest, nicest drivers we had. And this driver was not the one um, that had uh, kicked him off or had denied him travel. But it just goes to show you that the world that we live in, folks, doesn't make sense and is uh, increasing, increasingly in lawlessness, wickedness, uh, which is what the end time says. And this is what the Bible says. Um, the Bible said it's going to wax worse and worse, which means it's going to continue getting worse and worse. It's not going to get better. <laughs> so, which leads me into another article that I wanted to talk to you guys about. Um, so there's a lot of people um, who honestly, honestly think that they, uh, that the world's going to get better, that the world is going to get better. And, um, you know, that's, that's what they're banking on. They're like, Hey, we can, we can bring, uh, we can, you know, we can bring heaven to earth this in our NAR and all this stuff in preterism. And so this brings me into the perils of preterism. This is posted the 23rd of August by Jonathan Brentner. You guys know, I really do respect him and admire him. Um, it's Jonathan Brittner, that's B-R-E-N-T-N-E-R.com. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about that right now. So, preterism is one of today's popular views, the end times. Its adherents among church staff continue to rapidly grow in number. Below is a list of its basic beliefs. So, number one, Nero was the Antichrist. There will be no future individual Antichrist. Number two, the tribulation period is already over. It occurred when the Roman army besieged Jerusalem in A.D. 66 through 70. Number three, Christ, quote, returned, unquote, in the clouds in A.D. 70 to witness the destruction of Jerusalem by the Roman army. Number four, God replaced Old Testament Israel with the church. Therefore, all the biblical promises to Israel belong to the church. Number five, folks, this is what preterism believes. This is not what I believe. This is not what Jonathan Brittner believes. So if you're just tuning in right now, I'm just making that specifically clear. We're going through an article here. <laughs> so number five, Armageddon already happened in AD 70. And number six, they believe that Satan is already bound in the abyss and cannot hinder the spread of the gospel. Revelation 20 has already been fulfilled. <laughs> 
I'm sorry, that's quite comical. Number seven, they believe that we are already in the millennium, but it is not literal. Some preterists equate the entire church age as the millennium, as do other end time positions. And um, I just think that's quite funny because if you listen to Hank Hanningraff, this is what he believes. Now, just for, you know, just for um, little giggles sake here, open up your eyes, turn on the news, look at your front door, look at the newspaper, open up your phone. And tell me, do you think we're living in the millennium that God said was going to happen? <laughs> no, we're not. Anyway, so some predators believe in a bodily resurrection of the saints as described in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 47 through 54, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21, which necessitates, in their view, another return of the Savior. Many advocates of preterism don't believe in a future bodily resurrection of the saints as described in these passages. The popularity of a doctrine that believes Jesus fulfilled his Matthew 24, verses 29 to 31, promise in AD 70, is just an initial cause for alarm below he says he describes other reasons why we must reject the teachings of preterism it's also because they nullify what the bible says about jesus's future glory in matthew 24 29 31 jesus described his glorious return at which time everyone on earth will mourn as they see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory we see this magnificent display of dazzling supremacy recount recounted in revelation chapter 19 verses 11 through uh, 20 or uh, i'm sorry revelation chapter 19 uh, verses 11 all the way through chapter 20 verse 6 so to assert that an obscure vision of chariots clashing in the sky which only one person reportedly saw fulfilled these prophecies of jesus's breathtakingly spectacular return to earth as the preterists do makes no sense whatsoever to say that this happened in AD 70 has a chilling impact on the glory that scripture ascribes to Jesus at his second coming. Preterism also attacks Jesus's glory by negating his future inheritance of the nations. Listen to what the father promises the son in Psalm chapter 2 verses 8 through 9. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with the rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. It's clear from the context that these are physical nations with real kings. The promise of Psalm 2 as well as that of Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 through 7 relate to the time when Jesus will physically govern the nations. Denying Jesus' thousand-year reign cancels his future glory associated with both his return and kingship. He says, I believe that the most serious error of the preterists is that they do great damage to the name of Jesus by placing his return to earth in AD 70. And I agree. Pour cold water on our blessed hope. It's abundantly clear throughout the New Testament that God intended our future expectation to be solely upon Jesus and his appearing at which time believers will receive glorified bodies. Philippians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 47 through 54. Experience eternal victory over death. 1 Corinthians 15 54 through 56. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 through 10, chapter 4, verses 13, uh, all the way to chapter 5, verse 11. And be caught up to forever be with the Lord. That's my favorite, almost favorite, favorite, favorite of all the Bible, which is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verses 13 through 18. And then, of course, John chapter 14, my other favorite. But anyway, uh, it says, this is the substance of our blessed hope, which is Titus 2, 11 through 14. As New Testament saints, we have a glorious expectation rooted in the sure promise of Jesus' appearing. Don't let anyone pour ice cold water on your joyous hope of meeting Jesus in the air. This day is surely coming. Absolutely it is. Contradict what scripture reveals about God's character. He says he retired seven years ago to begin a fulfillment, uh, I'm sorry, a full-time studying and writing career devoted mainly to defending Jesus' thousand-year reign and our expectation of his appearing before the seven-year tribulation. He says he has recently come to the conclusion that if someone were to ask him why 
He is so convinced of these things, he would begin his response this way. And I quote, he says, the future and glorious restoration of Israel seamlessly aligns with what scripture reveals regarding God's character. He says, I also know Jesus who perfectly mirrors the father and he will rescue his bride, the body of Christ before his wrath encompasses the earth. It's what I know from scripture about the Lord that confirms my belief in these things, he says. And he goes on to say, of course, the words of scripture solidly back up these beliefs, and I would quickly go there in defending our blessed hope. As for the return of future glory to the nation of Israel, which preterists soundly denied, the Lord makes it clear that he must fulfill his covenants and promises because of his holiness. In Exodus 32, 11 through 14, Moses based his argument uh, for God to preserve his people after they worship the golden calf upon his character and reputation. In Ezekiel 36, through to, uh, 36 verses 22 through 38, the Lord copies Moses' argument from Exodus 32, stating that his holiness demands the restoration of Israel as detailed in this wonderful passage. Teachings that place the fulfillment of most end-time biblical prophecies in the past also contradict what the Bible tells us about our God. Isaiah 46 uh, verses 8 through 11 tells us that he loves to declare the end from the beginning. The vast number of prophecies related to our day stem both from his great love for us and his sheer delight at revealing the future from ancient times. The one who prophesied about his son defending Satan all the way back in the Garden of Eden is definitely not someone who would leave us with no signs of the end times or without a clue as to when Jesus might appear. And it says, rest upon an unattainable uh, view of church history. Preterists maintain that John authored the book of Revelation in about A.D. 65. If the apostle penned it after A.D. 70, then preterism can't possibly be true since John would be writing about the future return of the Lord after it took place. It's impossible, however, to maintain in to maintain such an early date for the origin of the book. Writers in the early centuries of the church placed John's banishment to the Isle of Patmos in the writing of Revelation late in the reign of Emperor Domitian. Uh, I'm sorry, Domitian. I'm terrible, folks. Anyway, um, with words. <laughs> so, um, who ruled over Rome from AD 81 to 96. Irenaeus, who grew up in the church of Smyrna uh, and later became a prominent leader and writer, stated that John wrote Revelation near the end of the Domitian's rule. Irenaeus' mentor in faith, Polycarp, was uh, not only a disciple of Apostle John, but also most likely the one who would have read the book to the church at Smyrna. Surely Irenaeus would have known the date of its writing. And a question that preterists can't answer is this, quote, Why did all the prominent leaders of the church during his first three centuries regard the second coming as a future event? Influential church fathers such as Papias, which is 70 through 163, Irenaeus 130 to 202, and Justin Martyr 100 through 165, and Tertullian uh, 155 to 240 all wrote regarding the future certainty of Jesus' return to earth as well as his thousand year reign over the nations. So I'm sorry about that. Until the time of Augustine in the 5th century AD, the church believed in Jesus' future 1,000 year reign with few exceptions. The testimony of church history makes preterism untenable. Besides the almost unanimous witness to the later date for the writing of Revelation, everyone in the early centuries of the church regarded Jesus' return as a future event. How is it possible that the entire church missed Jesus' return if it had already happened? The idea that Jesus that Jesus returned to earth in AD 70 didn't even exist anywhere in the church until the 17th century when disgruntled Jesuit Catholic priest Louis de Alcazar uh, began teaching the past fulfillment of a biblical prophecy associated with Jesus' second coming. Hurt the saints. Preterism deprives New Testament saints of the blessedness of their blessed hope. It does so by turning the New Testament expectation of glory into one of certain death. 
During the past decade, he says, I've heard several pastors say that all believers will die before Jesus returns, even though the Bible says otherwise in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 47 through 54 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Of course, we who are alive and we remain will be caught up together with those in the Lord. So, yeah, Ooh, I love it. Anyway, so do you see how this not only blinds the eyes of believers, but also hurts them by shifting their attention away from Jesus' appearing? Mm-hmm. Preterists as well as all millennialists do considerable damage damage to the cause of Christ by ignoring uh, my rate of signs pointing to Jesus's uh, soon arrival to take us home. They tell us that eschatel, eschat, folks, I'm telling you, I have a hard time talking today. Eschatological positions are uh, territory or a third rate importance. And we must not talk about something so non-essential lest we upset someone apart from what the bible reveals about the end times and our hope how do we deal with a massive number of deadly fires the floods and wholesale murder of multitudes as well as innocence how do we cope with such great wickedness apart from the bible's assurance that god is in control and that he will justly judge the world after he takes us up to glory it's deeply troubling to anyone aware of the times in which we live god's word relieves our fears and that it tells us the last days before the tribulation would look like this and promises us that jesus will appear to take us home before the start of the day of the lord's wrath folks once again i'm reading an article by jonathan brentner so he says the end of the age wrap-up so prominent in both all millennialism and preterism beliefs keeps believers from hearing the biblically sound encouragement they so desperately need in today's world such bland end of day scenario ignores the glories of jesus the second coming and his glorious rule over the nations for us it dampens our joyous expectations of his appearing as clearly enunciated in so many new testament passages biblical prophecy as well as the book of revelation magnifies the person of jesus from beginning to end the teachings of preterism assign a far less glorious place to jesus in the scheme of the end time events this is the key reason to reject it for New Testament saints drawn into this egregious error, it moves their hope away from Jesus' appearing to the certainty of death, leaving them to hope in things that will never calm their fears or enable them to cope with the terrors ahead should Jesus not come for his church in the very near future. My primary concern, he says, for writing the triumph of the redeemed and eternal perspective that calmed our fears in perilous times was to provide a solid foundation for placing our hope in Jesus' soon appearing. Folks, that is a book by Jonathan Brittner, and I highly, highly recommend it. And I'm going to post... Um, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post a link to this article so that you guys can go and get that. I've posted it several times there on Amazon, but I'm going to do it again because I think it's very important. Anyway, he goes on to say, an abundance of reasons exist to reject teachings that discredit our hope, the rapture, and allegorize the biblical basis for Jesus' thousand-year rule over the nations. Pastors that have a heart for the people they serve will reject preterism and proclaim the joyous hope of Jesus' imminent appearing. Folks, he's coming. He is coming soon. He's coming soon. Another good book you guys can check out is The New Last Day Scoffers. It was May 2005 by the late Ed Heinsen and Dr. David Reagan, uh, The Fallacy of Preterism. And uh, linked in this article as well at the bottom, you can check out those two there. And I'm going to, like I said, link this in the description. And by the way, if you guys um, were looking for some sound biblical doctrine that you wanted to know more about, you know, just topics of the Bible or topics like today transgenderism homosexuality why is and all this other stuff my pastor pastor dr uh randy davis has a book if you guys are interested let me know and um i'll see about getting you guys a copy of it i've got a copy i've given several away and um i am so thankful that he wrote that book a couple years ago and he's um he's been um pastoring another church since he quote retired let me tell you <laughs> i was devastated during covid i found uh, their tri found the church and i was like what and i listened to all almost all of his end time sermons there on the youtube when i found it and then i was already going to church there uh december i do believe it was like december the 8th or something like that of 2020 and then uh here comes along 2021 or no 2022 he retires or 2023 something like that i lost count nowadays 
And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And so uh, he has been pastoring another church um, ever since. He was interim pastor because he totally retired on us. And then uh, he decided, I guess, retirement was not for him. And so they are, um, he's been out there and they went ahead and um, decided that he's going to stay there. And so I will be uh, soon and very soon heading back over there. So uh, praise the Lord for that. But if you guys want a good book, um, good information, let me know. I'll get it for you. And so one thing, another one I want to talk to you guys about uh, pretty quick here is, uh, you know, why are there so many fires? Mm, why are there? Why are there so many food plants burning down? <laughs> why is there so many of this? Why is there so many of that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a conspiracy, folks. For real conspiracy. <laughs> So this is a guest contributor, uh, and you can find this originally posted at the uh, Vigilant News, Vigilant News, and um, I just, I'm trying to find the, art, the author's name here, this is Vigilant News, um, let me see here, uh, maybe, maybe um, invited to entrepreneur, okay, so here we go, I think this is Seth Wholehouse, aka Man in America, um, invited technologist and entrepreneur Dr. David Martin. There we go to his program recently. So this is Dr. David Martin, and so here's a little bit more on that. And so we're going to go ahead and read this article, folks. Let me just make sure that I'm not missing anybody's name because everybody needs credit. So anyway, uh, this is copyright 2023 Vigilant V I G I L A N T News. So here you go. And you can find it at thegatewaypundit.com. So, this says guest contributor. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> here we go, folks. These fires may just be the smoke signals of a bigger problem lurking beneath the flames. The whole world seems like it's on fire. Fires are ravaging Maui, Canada, Greece, France, you name it. But when you dig deeper, something's off. Government mismanagement, questionable land acquisitions, and even newly minted laws raise eyebrows are we witnessing a bad wave of natural runaway wildfires or is there something else going on hmm. canada's fourth largest uh, emergency evacuation underway as wildfire spread residents in Yellowknife, the capital of canada's uh, northwest territories home to about 20,000 acres were forced to flee their homes as a wildfire uh, is within 10 miles of the city's northern edge. Another emergency order was posted for the 150,000 people that live in uh, Kilo, Kilona, Kilona, the largest city in British Columbia's Okanagan Valley. BBC News reported Yellowknife's emergency evacuation is the fourth largest in Canada's history. Um, I was home to about 20,000 people, folks, not acres. My, I'm sorry, my mistake. So some 20,000 people are currently making their way out of Yellowknife, fleeing a wildfire that is 16 kilometers or 10 miles away from its city limits. Hundreds of hundreds others have already made their way out earlier this week from towns in the South Slave region of the Northwest Territories. Once the wildfire evacuation is complete, it could become the fourth largest in Canada's history, according to official public safety data. The largest evacuation to date was in Fort McMurray. Alberta, a city that is now taking in some evacuees from the Northwest Territories after its 90,000 residents were forced to flee from a wildfire in 2016. Maps lit up with fire indicators still a worrying story. This is a global crisis affecting our air, our health, and potentially our future. We're not just talking about isolated events or simple accidents. The world's attention needs to be on this issue because when you connect the dots, it's evident that these fires may be just the smoke signals of a bigger problem lurking beneath the flames. Folks, if you look at this, you will, you're going to like, wow, if you just look at these fires, I'm looking at a map at them right now. Oh my goodness. So, so what's really fueling these fires and who stands to gain from these ashes? Seth Wholehouse, aka Man in America, invited technolo uh, technologist and entrepreneur Dr. Dave Martin. I'm sorry, David Martin to his program recently. Dr. Martin suggests that this wave of fires is not just a mere natural calamity, but a deeper, darker agenda is at play. And he says, um, uh, Dr. Martin made an intriguing uh, comparison between the current series of forest fires and historical events like the Dust Bowl during the Great Depression. While popular narratives labeled the Dust Bowl as an environmental catastrophe, Dr. Martin argues that it was actually a banking crisis aimed at crippling family farms, 
to benefit industrial agriculture. And of course, there's a picture here from Cimarron County, Oklahoma from 1936. Uh, it is pretty iconic, folks. Um, you should check it out. Anyway, uh, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, so when you observe the puzzling behavior of those uh, leading the scarce campaign about CO2 emissions, it's strange to see them allowing forest fires to ignite and spread unchecked. It makes you question their intentions, considering we've always been told that carbon dioxide is harmful. So why are they contributing to increased CO2 levels by allowing trees which absorb carbon to be destroyed? Well, the answer is land reappropriation, Dr. Martin concluded. Uh, that's what it's all about. It's about reappropriating land. And the best way to reappropriate land is to have a fire. That has been the case since the Old Testament. So this is not a new thing. This has been around for thousands and thousands of years. When humans cannot win on a fair playing field, they use fire. And they use fire to destroy an old appropriation of land and reappropriate it to a, quote, new use. Quote, there's no question that what is going on in Canada right now is a massive, massive, massive land grab, uh, continued Dr. Martin, where the state will come in its largeness, largest and propose new development of what? Of things that will be pro-state? That's not a human recovery, says. In British Columbia, right here on, a, on their front page, says Trudeau says Canada needs to prepare for more intense wildfire seasons during B.C. visit. Officials say 131 structures destroyed, 37 are damaged in the Shishwap fires. This is on the 25th of August right here at CBC News. There's a little um, uh, picture there of that. And so, and by the way, he says, as much as Maui may or may not be the sum of a series of electrical failures, there is no question that the power systems in Maui were not managed to diminish the risk of fire. I'm just going to throw in here. They are owned by BlackRock in case you guys did not know that. Anyway. The article continues, uh, we will not say, and I will not say they necessarily intentionally set them. I'm not going to get into that conversation. What I will say is that very simple safety protocols, like if lines are downs, don't send energy back into a down line. Uh, those kinds of uh, things were not done. So were some of those fires without question, at least negligently set? The answer is without a question. Of course. Uh, the evidence is unambiguous. And by the way, even NPR talks about that evidence. And um, I just want to throw this up there again. If you notice all of the celebrities and the rich people, their houses were, their roofs and stuff were painted blue. Did you guys see that? Did y'all notice that? And none of their houses burned? Hmm. Anyway. So right here on the National, uh, NPR says, Maui County sues Hawaiian Electric Company for damages from disastrous fire. Folks, I'm just telling you, BlackRock and company owns that, owns that. And those indigenous people were never going to give up their land. But they wanted them to be the first 15-minute city. Hmm, just saying. When all this stuff comes about, they're going to say, oh, wow, all those conspiracy theories were right. Hmm. Yeah, whatever. We're not theorists. We know what's going on. Anyway, so, quote, so the fact is we know that what we have is a situation where the this ongoing campaign of terror is about reallocating, redistributing, and reappropriating sources into the state control, Dr. Martin concluded. And there's no question that that's what happened in Maui. There's no question that that's what's happening in Canada. And there's no question that that's what's happening in fires that are going on all around the world, remarkably in places where climate change activists say, they're the most concerned with climate change. Mm, they're pumping CO2 into the air. So this hypocrisy is necessary to create the cognitive dissonance. Mm. Folks, you can check out Dr. Martin's full interview with Seth Holhouse, and it's available to watch on the video here. And I will link this, folks, into the um, description of this podcast so that you guys can check all of this stuff out. And so as we go... I'm telling you, folks, I just never thought I would see this day. But I'm coming up on an hour, and uh, I'm going to let you guys go for today. And I'm going to go probably take a nap because I work tonight. And uh, hopefully we'll get all that straightened out, and I'll go back on my days. We'll see. Lord willing, I'm praying that he gets that worked out this week so I don't have to do any more knots. But we'll see. Overnights. Anyway, guys, I'm going to get off of here and uh, thank you guys so much for all of your support. Thank you guys so much for purchasing um, the books. And I pray that they will uh, bless you guys. And I, I pray that um, the Lord will be glorified through that. And that if somebody doesn't know Jesus, that they will. 
that those books will point them to the Lord Jesus or at least point them to the Bible. Anyway, um, you know, thank you guys so much for all your support and I sure do appreciate that. And um, anyway, I do have some books there on Amazon. It's under Heather O'Daniel. And if you guys go uh, to my website, um, Bible Prophecy, the number four today dot com, um, you will be able to go straight from there to the um, to my Amazon author page. But I did want to jump on it. I totally forgot to do this. So Michelle, Michelle has sent me an article. I did. I posted it on um, my on the blog there on the website. And I thought it was pretty importante. And I thought it was a great article. And I'm going to, I thought I had it pulled up. And I'm sure I did. But I don't know what's going on here with my, <laughs> with my uh, a computer. Ah, uh, you never know. But I did want, let me pull this up for you guys. And so it was, it was a really good article. And I thought I read it that day. And I might have read it. But if I didn't, I'm going to read it again. It says, Jump, I'll Catch You. And she wrote this article on August the 12th of 2023. And this is by Michelle Mooneyham. Michelle's a wonderful article. So, jump, I'll catch you. She says, as a mom of five children, days were long and hard at times uh, when they were small. She said, I realized my job was to teach them, but in reality, they taught me just as much. One morning, as I was frantically trying to complete all the tasks for that day, I hear someone yelling from their bedroom, jump, I'll catch you. That immediately sent me running to see who was yelling, who was jumping, and where they were jumping from. I arrived at the bedroom to find my four-year-old on the top bunk, getting ready to jump from the top bunk into the arms of her six-year-old brother waiting below. Of course, I immediately stopped her, and she simply could not understand what the problem was and why I was so distraught. But he said he would catch me. Uh, she said she had total and implicit trust in her big brother. No questions asked. Oh, that I could have that attitude towards my heavenly father. I study his word. I seek out godly mentors, pray and listen. And when direction is given, I come up with a whole list of reasons why he surely didn't mean I was to do this or that. Then I hear jump. I'll catch you. Hebrews 13 uh, verses 20 to 21 says, May the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Father clearly tells us that he is in control and he will equip us for what he has called us to do, not what we want to do, what he has called us to do. He reminds us over and over, jump, I'll catch you. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration, plans for your well-being, not for your disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Romans 8, 28 tells us, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who were called according to his purpose. And she ends with, how much have I missed out on because I refused to jump folks get in the word of god let the word of god get into you maranatha lord jesus maranatha may we be found waiting and hopeful and anticipating his appearing and we know jesus is coming to take us home and may we continue to look for him to take us home don't let anybody take that blessed hope away from you nope don't let us that's a commandment we are to be hoping for his appearing. Folks, get in the word of God. Let the word of God get into you. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening. May God bless each and every one of you. May he give each one of us boldness to continue to preach the Lord Jesus Christ to a dying, desperate, evil, wicked world. May we shine bright. May the Lord Jesus shine bright within us. With that, guys, I'm getting out of here. Have a wonderful day.